Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We are only going through verses 1 through 3 of Psalm 23 today, and I'm going to explain a little bit about why that is and why we are taking a break from Matthew for the next three weeks and going through Psalm 23. Um, And we believe here at Radiant that we're a family of missionary servants sent to be and make disciples and make disciples. And so this time here on a Sunday gathering is the engine of our worship. And we were speaking about that the last couple of weeks. This is a time for us to focus our attention on Jesus, not just for an hour on a Sunday, but so we can live this out during the week. And that's why uh, starting in October, we've gone through some training for our gospel communities, and we're kind of, in a sense, relaunching them in a way. I mean, many of these, uh, most of our gospel communities have been going on for years and years and years, but we just want to start emphasizing that again, because where Sundays are the engine of our worship, GCs are the wheels of our worship. It's where we start living out, following Jesus in community. Um, so we'll, we'll be uh, emphasizing that a lot more, especially as we get to October. Um, just to make sure, in case anyone didn't hear, there's no soup or something today. Sometimes we have a potluck afterwards. We're not doing that this Sunday. Um, we will be looking forward to doing that on October 22nd. And then last announcement is we are doing uh, a men's event, September 29th through 30th. I haven't emphasized it as much as because... I've needed help to do that. Um, and Rick Soli and Bob Sagonis were generous enough to say, hey, we're going to help you. And so Rick Soli is going to come around after the gathering is done, and he's going to talk to all you men. And if he doesn't talk to you, then you go talk to him. Um, he's actually back with the kids right now. So um, I'll try to remember to, to remind uh, that again at the end of our gathering. So with that, Psalm 23. Um, We've been going through the Gospel of Matthew for the last year now, Um, but in the last three weeks, we've gone through some some hard issues as a church, and I actually just want to thank um, our deacon of worship, Brandon Irvin, because as I was processing some some of the issues we've been going through, he was like, you know what, I think we need time as a church to process, and we need time to be able to... Um, not just like push hard topics uh, into a closet and walk on, but actually go to God's word, use his word to process us. And that's what the Psalms are really good for. I had a counselor at one point say that like, if you're going through any issue in life, find a Psalm that matches what you're experiencing and rewrite it. Use it and write your own psalm. Not rewrite scripture, just to make clear. But to use what the truths of scripture are bringing out and put your own psalm into that language, your own cry to God. Um, So I would also encourage you to listen to last week's sermon. Um, We shared just some of the things we've gone through in the last Three to four weeks, we had an, uh, one of our elders, one of our four elders, uh, step down from leading, Patrick Nave. Um, and we, during those three weeks, just had four families express that they were going to leave Radiant and go look for a new church. And so I don't want to go back over those details, but the reason that we shared that is because we don't 
want to just hide hard issues or not bring them up front, but to say, no, we need to bring this up front, and we need to talk about this and work through it. So I would encourage you if, you, if you weren't here last week, please listen to that sermon so you can hear that, and also just hear God's word and how to direct your heart, um, especially because it just served as a, as a good way to step into Psalm 23. So for the next three weeks, we'll be going through this psalm, and there's really one major goal behind that is, church, we need to pray like we've never prayed before. Um, I was even confronted on this this last week where I realized that sometimes you, you have a war going on in your mind of all sorts of different feelings, emotions, depending on the, the issues you're facing during the week, and how easy it is to let prayer get strangled. And so I want this to be an opportunity for us as a church, not just one person, but our whole church to pray like we've never prayed before. And there's um, two things specifically that I want to ask you to pray for for the church. Pray that we unify in Jesus as our greatest priority in our lives and repent of any area in our church where we've made something more important than Jesus. And pray that our worship continues to be unified and centered on Jesus Christ. The second thing is pray that as a body, we'd mobilize to be on Jesus' mission to go and make disciples, that we would do everything we can just to reach one more person for Jesus through our Sunday gatherings, through our GCs, and through each of us individually. And on our Sunday gatherings, as a side note, um, we just ask that you pray over a gathering space that would serve our mission well. Um, we have benefited from being here at 4 p.m., and one thing we're praying over right now is what's the next step for us as a church? What does it look like as we are being on mission? So what I'm going to do is I am going to preach through the first three verses of Psalm 23, but uh, at the end of that, we are going to walk through praying scripture together. One of the greatest growths that have happened in my personal life in knowing Jesus was to read through scripture and to, to not only just understand it, but to, to let the, the intention and the heart of God's word and the truths that are in there direct me in my prayers. And that's something that I didn't learn till I was an adult. And what I hope will come through this for you guys who are Teenage, younger, even this is for you as well. I want to encourage us not to just hear God's word, but to pray it as well. So starting with the first verse of Psalm 23, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. David wrote this psalm. A psalm being a, a poetic song that was used for Israel in their worship. And David claims in this first verse that Yahweh, or Jehovah, the personal name of God, the personal God of his people, is his shepherd. The God of the universe is his shepherd. David believes that God cares enough that he would see David, that he would know David for who he is. And it's not just David, who's expressing this personally, but he wrote this so others, other followers of God could say this very deep and powerful truth. God, the one true God who created the heavens and the earth, that God is my shepherd. David was first a shepherd before he was anointed king of Israel. 
He understood what it meant to be a shepherd, what it meant to protect sheep from predators, to feed them when they were hungry, and to just simply be with the sheep, observing them, watching them. He took care of their wounds. He got them out of trouble. Out of all this experience, even as a king, David clearly understands the character of God through his role as a shepherd. And it's not just David. When you step back, and if you search the word shepherd throughout the Bible, you will see it in Genesis all the way through Revelation about God being a shepherd. Isaiah 40, 10 through 11 says, Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and, he, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Ezekiel 34, 23 says, And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them, and he shall, he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And then we see the greatest pointer to who the shepherd is through the person of Jesus in John 10, 11, when it says, when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So this is our God. When we go to God in prayer, as we're going to do here in a little bit, we claim him as our shepherd like David did. The Lord is our shepherd. He is our shepherd when we start in prayer, it's so easy to go right to the things that are consuming our attention right away rather than, than miss sitting and acknowledging who God is and praising him, his character, reminding ourselves of who he is because when you start there, then you can push back the lies of Satan that often get us to doubt who God is and what his character is. So we start with this powerful truth that he is our shepherd. And like it says in the first line, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We trust that, <laughs> that in his care, we will have everything that we need. Everything a sheep needs, the shepherd has. Everything sheep ha that the sheep needs, the shepherd has. If a, if a sheep needs something, it has to go to the shepherd can't go anywhere else for the provisions that he needs. A, a sheep may see a rich place of grass for food, but probably doesn't see the wolf that is waiting in attack. But the shepherd does. The sheep may see some water, but not recognize the thorns in the way. The shepherd does. So this whole psalm in the next three weeks plays off this first line, and you're going to see three three categories of promises that God will give his people. That as a shepherd, he provides abundantly, he will protect fully, and he will be present always. And so we are going to look at the first of those. He promises that he will provide abundantly. That leads us to Psalm 23, 2 through 3, the next two verses. It says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. David starts with this promise of provision. So he describes, he uses a metaphor of green pastures and still 
waters. Most likely this is referring to the springtime in Israel when the grass is most abundant to the point where sometimes shepherds didn't even need to leave their own home. Their sheep could find the food that they needed like right outside. They don't have to go out and search and seek for enough food for the sheep. The point behind these descriptions is twofold. The shepherd, first of all, provides abundantly, but also the shepherd will make the sheep down, and he will lead them to still waters. Sheep are stubborn, and they don't always recognize when they're in a place of abundance, or they may be so focused or so busy that they don't see what the shepherd is providing them. So what does the shepherd have to do? He says, no, the good food is right in front of you, and I'm going to make you lie down. Often the very places where we think God is absent or not working, he's just trying to get us to be still, to sit down and realize that he is with us, that he has provided abundantly, that he is providing abundantly, and that he will provide abundantly for all eternity. The whole point behind this metaphor in looking to sheep is for verse 3 that he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Restores in this sense means to turn back to God, to return back to an original state. To really, what it gets at is that our original state in being human is in a right relationship with God. And so the greatest provision was given by God in the person of Jesus. That was the ultimate plan to restore our souls to return us back to what we were meant to be in Jesus. You see, the world promises temporary provision, things that only last maybe for a lifetime. But in a right relationship with God, we are restored in our soul. Jesus provides eternal provision. This is why Jesus in John 10 through 9 would say, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture, to find, those, to find that abundance for the soul. In Matthew 6.33, uh, as we went through the Gospel of Matthew, how does Jesus teach us to find that abundance? He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So by the death of Jesus on the cross, he paid what we owed. We desperately needed him to provide a way to have our relationship restored with God because we broke that relationship through our rebellion. By his resurrection, Jesus provided the way of life eternally. Not only did he pay for our debt of sin, but he gave us a new life. He made us a new creation. And by his promised return, Jesus gives us hope for the future. Jesus provides abundantly. In him, no matter what situation you are facing in life right now, we have all the hope in the world, no matter how dark things get, there is abundant provision for us to be had in Jesus Christ. But you see, in the gospel, Jesus doesn't just give us this promise of like, hey, you know what? You're going to be saved, and that's it, and you can live life the way you want. No, the the point of the gospel is he changes us. He makes us a new person, and so we continue in following him. 
And so you see that in verse 3 where he says, he leads me in paths of righteousness. Just like a shepherd needs to be led to still water, so Jesus will lead us in his paths of righteousness. The paths of righteousness, it's the right way of living as described in Scripture. It's loving God with all that we have. It's loving our neighbor as ourselves, so that we can see the message of Jesus move back the darkness of this world. We know this path and the specific ways God calls us to live because of his word that he gives us. This is our truth. This describes the way that we are to live. It's by the path that he created through his death, through his resurrection, that our heart can be changed and we can begin living and following him in his paths of righteousness. But as you see at the very end of this, it's not just walking a path of righteousness so we can pat ourselves on the back or say, look how good I am or, or anything with this life. When we get the good news of Jesus, we get that all this is for his namesake. It's all for him. It's for his glory, not our own. And so this runs full circle right back up to the top of the psalm where it started. His namesake. Who is his namesake? It's the shepherd. He's the only source for all that we really need in life. When we live for his namesake, it's because he's glorious. It's because he's the one true God. It's because he's the creator. It's because he's the almighty. But in him, not only is he the king, but he's the shepherd. He's the one who cares. He's the one that loves. He's the one that knows you better than anyone else knows you. He is king and he is savior. He is loving. He's gracious. He's kind as much as he is great and powerful and just. So we're going to transition here to a time of prayer, but I want to finish up on this quote um, from a good friend of mine, Mark Becton. He had this to say on the psalm. Opening our prayer by focusing on God instead of our problems rests our eyes. It also resets them when looking back at previous problems. We see them differently, even creatively, focusing on God's size, God's nature, our relationship with him, and his history with us and others enables us to continue praying and depending on God. So I'm going to invite um, Sammy and Kierden back up. And what we're going to do is we're going to walk through three prayer points. I'm going to explain each prayer point. And then uh, Sammy and Kierden are going to play some music. And we're going to have some prompts up on the screen for you just to be able to sit with God for a time to be able to pray through some of these, to take what we've talked about in Psalm 23 and pour your heart out before God in prayer. So the first prayer point we're going to look at is just based on the first verse. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So what I want to encourage you to do is to sit with Jesus and him being your shepherd. Because he's my shepherd, you can go to him because he knows exactly what you're carrying right now. He, know he knows exactly what you're feeling. He knows exactly what you're going through. And in that, before you even get, as you describe those things, remind yourself of who he is. That he is, and I've given you a couple of prompts, the provider, the strong warrior and protector, that he is continually with you and present. But I want to encourage you, don't, don't just... Stop there. Think of as many things about the char characteristic of God 
as you can. So as the music is playing, I just encourage you, pray through these points. And if at any time you need prayer with someone, feel free to to ask someone next to you to pray um, or to do that. And then I'll close the first prayer point. I'll come up here and, and close us and we'll move on to the next one.